then it's the idea of you know how like when people are nice to you they expect something in return that would be transactionary and they're not a genuine nice person yeah because you know how it's like well you got to be kind but then if you're kind and then you're like man i can't believe that person didn't like give me a gift or something then now it's manipulative and it's not a genuine kindness this is crazy that in 2023 we're still having discussions about you know people's rights yeah it's insane well this is where ai comes in yeah, all of us. Oh, so, replace our leaders. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if that's that's what I was saying, like how AI is going to create a system that we're just going to agree with because it's so damn good. Because mm. AI, like just think about how much AI is helping us right now. All right, welcome to the podcast. What's our name again? <laughs> You're embarrassing me. <laughs> this is the Discuss and Discuss podcast. Thanks for joining us. And today we'll be talking about this this book about hope. I th at least that's what I thought <laughs> when I read it. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. Hoping for? But. So this week we read Everything is Fucked by Mark Manson. And it was not about. <laughs> I think that's the point, you know. Overall, just to give everyone the taste of it, it is a book about hope. True, but it's not a book about how to attain hope. It's a it's a book about how. Well, he it, it's hope. It's like I don't know how you explain it. It's not to give us hope. It's to talk about hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right interpretation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My assumption was that I would have more hope after I read it, but <laughs> yeah, it's it kind of it. less. It's mm, no. I, I felt more dreary after it. More dreary. I don't know if that makes sense because, like, for it for him to talk about hope, it's like talking about comedy and humor. When you talk about something that's funny, it's not funny. Mm, yeah, yeah. So the same thing in this sense, where it's like, oh, how do you find hope? How do you build hope? Oh, it's, you know, spoiler, through disaster. It's through turmoil. It's through moments of grief. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah I want to say it's more like it's all that, but mainly accepting that is there. Like the, he talks about the uncomfortable truths. Like you have to accept it in order to. Right. Like for it to be there. For yeah. it to manifest itself. Yeah. Because you hmm, hope it's difficult because. Yeah. And I'm he guessing keeps... that's why he write he wrote a whole book about it because yeah. it's a it's a complex topic. It's more complex than I was expecting. Yeah, because then uh, it's a paradox. <laughs> the paradox of progress. Paradox, but like there's something that he uh, he reiterates time and time again. It's that like we shouldn't be hope we shouldn't hope to be better. We simply just need to be better. Like I don't even know how to break that down really. It's almost uh, saying versus doing. He mentions that a lot, a little bit. Oh, he, he mentions that in this a lot too, where I guess in the similar sense where if you want hope, you just have to be build hope. it, be yeah. hope. You, you be can't hope. just say, I hope for something. Yeah. You can't manifest it that way. And I think a really good example, you go off one of the first points is heroism isn't about being brave or courageous or stuff like that. It's just doing it's something that you deem is right and necessary. And in in, in his example, he talks about will will it <laughs> will told withold withold pilek pilecki pilecki. Again, we're gonna butcher every single name in every single episode. You're just gonna have to get used to it, guys. I'm so sorry, but if you don't know about this man, pilecki. He's just an amazing figure who essentially was a spy during World War II, at the beginning of the World War II, you know. Polish. And was the only man ever known to volunteer to go into Auschwitz mm. as somewhat of a beacon of hope, but mainly to try to break everyone out. 
Well, he didn't know people. what was going on. He was he was wondering why so many people were going missing. And then he found out. And right. we're just going to give you the cliff notes on this. <laughs> if you want to know more, <laughs> please look it up. <laughs> we're not experts. Yeah, we're, we're not just experts. <laughs> well, the problem with history is that I suck at world history. <laughs> so like this book was actually kind of hard for me to pay, to continue to pay yes, attention because he references world history so often. And I'm like, those are the moments where I'm just like, it just doesn't stick. Yeah, it is harder to resonate with me. But when we get past that and we're talking about concepts, then I'm there attentively. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, Witold Pilecki, he was shedding light on like pretty much the Holocaust or, or yeah. And then the atrocities, the atrocities and the horrors. And when he was trying to call for help around like the surrounding countries, they wouldn't even believe him. Because, like, you know, what what on earth, like, how could you possibly even imagine that type of horror and, and be like, oh, yeah, we believe him right away, you know? So it took him some time for her to convince these people or surrounding countries that this was actually what's happening to, to the Jews at this time. But anyways, he didn't really necessarily go there to be a beacon of hope. He was just like hope itself. Because he was just, he was so for the people and like a proud Polish person. Yeah, he was proud going Polish in there person. to save his people, try to break them free. Uh, he even built, like, again, he built up pretty much from nothing a network, uh, a way for them to contact the outside world, stuff like that, to gain more intel in the whole camp, as well as, you know, all the Nazis. Yeah, and then eventually breaking some out. And, well, he broke free, and then he was able to save some people. And I don't know. It's just crazy because, like, going through that type of darkness, how would you have hope? And how would you, like, continue to fight? Yeah, and what's crazy about this man is that he just wanted his people to be free. Yeah. And he fought for his country. He's a true... Uh, patriot for his country. He yeah. really is, and pushed his way to. It, well, he was a martyr for his country as well because he died after they caught him. He was executed. He was tortured and executed. And the way he went out was amazing because he said, and I'm I'm gonna paraphrase, is that he'd rather die a proud Polish than to be chained up, essentially. And so, you know, when they caught him and he died, he died essentially a martyr, a beacon of like, we can fight back. If this one man can fight back, we all can fight back. Yeah. Like heroism is about being able to offer up hope when there is none. Yeah. And he was that <laughs> to show the world that this is the world that can exist when nobody else thought it could. So, And that's the important thing to really extract from all this is that the atrocities of World War II, again, of communism taking over and all of the war crimes they committed. Authoritative. Yeah. <laughs> Authoritarian government. It's in times that are toughest is when we need it. Need hope. Yeah. We need to build hope and be hope. And, you know, Pilecki was a really good example of that. So something to kind of like synthesize this into something that like I would remember <laughs> nice not not that i wouldn't remember Witold. he is the one like main world history figure i remember from this book when we start when he starts to go into other people i'm like i don't i can't remember <laughs> okay. but it, it reminds me a lot about like what superman is supposed to stand for he's supposed to be like a symbol of hope when like destruction is happening and you're and people need to turn to somebody because like Imagine like a god ending up on your world and like Zod, who would be powerful enough to like handle him. So like if we could rewrite Man of Steel, we need the Zod sooner and like enacting like this type of um, dictatorship over Earth. And then it calls for someone that can actually enact change, which would be the rise of like Superman. Yeah. In order for a better Man of Steel movie to happen. Uh, the example I thought of was, I think it was in Gladiator. 
Oh, okay. But yeah, right. Like you yeah. have a dictator. Maximus. The, yeah. And then. I guess you can go with a better movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. And like, you know, this is one person, Spartacus. Is that his name? No, it's no. I just okay. told you it was Maximus. Maximus. Okay. Well, essentially, like in the same vein, what I'm thinking of is uh, Spartacus. Actually, <laughs> not Maximus. So oh, okay. Apologize. Well, have you seen book. Have you seen Spartacus? Uh, I, it's been a while. The whole thing though is that he this was man. able to offer a pope to people and start a chain reaction. Right? They didn't know who I guess essentially Spartacus was, and everyone was rising up saying, "I am Spartacus. I am Spartacus." True. That, that was the definitely Spartan Spartacus pope. and not Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> but Gladiator was also a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's gonna be a second one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rise of sequels again coming back oh yeah let's just whatever yeah, whatever <laughs> i hope uh, those are good and they brought back for good reason how do we be hope for that scenario <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't we can't do anything from here There's, except review it yeah. <laughs> it's already being written but i i the another point he d- dives into after giving the example of Pilecki is this paradox of progress that I kind of mentioned before I want to get into because this is such a fascinating topic I thought about for the whole week after I heard it. It's breaking to the idea that as the world continues to progress further in technology and everything else and societal values, the paradox is that even though our quality of living has gotten better, it does not mean that we ourselves will be better people. As an example, that even though technology or social media is an example, it has vastly and incredibly accelerated our our methods of communication, of getting to know other people, and and knowledge and too, and Trans- knowledge. yeah, transferring knowledge at a quicker pace, yes. like informing, like news. Yeah, there's just so much more. Events. But the thing is, social media also has been very heavily tied to rising increases of um well i guess depression and you know negative feelings feelings of inadequacy and yeah anxiety yeah all the good stuff all the mental health issues yeah so that's the funny thing is like i'm glad it brings a light to mental health you know instead of pushing it down like it has in the past however it's also not essentially helped mental health and so like again we're seeing like again our our what our <laughs> method of living or whatever quality of living sorry has increased but as well as you know mental health issues increasing specifically in younger adolescents or people who tend to flock to social media more often for i don't know feelings of gratitude or not gratitude but uh, satisfaction i guess if you will yeah it's really tough it's uh... It's cool that he mentioned it because this was a thought that I had. You know, it's kind of strange when you see media kind of flooding with, here's a self-help book, self-help course. Here's a do this and this and this and this and that. But then, like, there's also something strange to see that that's being marketed so so well. But the if <laughs> if changing people's uh, mental health is working then we should be seeing less marketing for that yes (laughs) yeah and you know it's just also how capitalism works right like whatever you can bank on you're gonna have a method of curing it but that does not mean it's actual cure for it yeah it just makes money and so like you're just gonna continue to try to capitalize (laughs) yeah yeah capitalize on on something that works yeah like everything he mentions in the book is like just be that thing that you want to happen it's that's pretty much the main takeaway that i took away from this book and which is something that we've pretty much been in alignment with too especially with like the many books that we've been reading it's like picture what you want <laughs> and then like do it <laughs> pretty much uh alex Hermosi, we've been kind of obsessed with this guy because oh, yeah. he's everywhere first off he yeah. he's also very insightful and one of the best things he said you told me, and then I watched a video on, like, you can talk about being a person all you want. How about instead of talking about it, you provide evidence that you already are that person? Yeah. That was 
wildly like it changed my perspective on everything because i was like okay yeah of course i want to be xyz person how do i get there whatever right like you just have to start you have to iterate and then you have evidence of it being coming yeah if you becoming that person he he uses his businesses as an example where he was able to use uh you know he was able to start up four successful businesses from the ground up sell them for hundreds of millions of dollars also off of that kind of premise where again you know to actually sorry to validate his premise of this is my evidence of being good at what i'm good at like this is it like i i did it i didn't say i did it you know i didn't just put up a youtube video of this is how i would do it he's like i did it here's the evidence for it yeah and the way he breaks it down too is like digestible like if i think it just fits systematically in everyone's brain like logic it's like oh yeah when you say it like that that makes sense like even when we read this book and even though mark manson voiced it in the same way as that hermosi's way of presenting it was way better yeah because it's like oh if you provide evidence for this then that's going to be your identity or whatever because it's harder to conceive someone saying like you should just be that oh you want to be a web developer you should just be a web developer yeah exactly like even when i was trying to say it i was like man i feel the lackluster in the lack of meat or density in that statement alone so like good thing you brought up hermosi (laughs) (laughs) but like that's what that was one of my problems when i was reading this book too or listening to the book mark manson is too much of an intellectual and because he's coming from that perspective i think it's harder for that um, concept to hit more people i think it's also and this is this is his voice yeah, yeah. and and what i'm saying by that is that he's very condescending he's also very like crass you know he's very mm-hmm. like in your face says a lot of cuss words which i love i love cuss words but like <laughs> mark manson's voice is that again he's very condescending for the most part because of that intellectual aspect, probably, yeah. And how, he see, he, how he views the world. Himself. Yeah, he's very knowledgeable. There's kind of like a crudeness there. Yeah. yeah, and it's cool. Like I understand, you know, he he's done his research and it shows in his book. He presents a lot of valid points. Mm-hmm. He also breaks down like uh, one of my favorite things is that he breaks down uh, Newton's law laws of emotion. Oh, okay. and that was a brilliant way to get across this point. Um, and he mentions like, you know, what if Isaac Newton being the brilliant man he was, instead of finding just things that broke the physics world, right? What if in this universe, he wrote the laws of emotion and, you know, is all the same concepts, but breaking it down in terms of, you know, for every opposite or for every emotion that you have, there's an opposite, um, <laughs> there's, there's an opposite emotion <laughs> i'm sorry I'm not even phrasing it can well. you voice that better <laughs> one more time <laughs> yeah but you get what i mean maybe you could break it down better than i can well i don't fully remember that part um <laughs> so i can't really help you there but there is something that always stuck with me is that like what's in motion stays in or yeah what's in motion stays in motion so it was like okay so it's just like going in a straightforward thing but that line itself helped me be like oh okay if i struggle to wake up in the morning I just need to start moving. So, you know, if if I lay if I want to get up early out of bed, but I stay in bed, my motion is just staying in bed. Therefore, it's harder for me to garner energy to get out of bed. So the first thing I need to do is to just roll off the bed, you know, and then now I'm up. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. Or like when you want to start a podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the first thing you got to do is look up how to start a podcast. Is that what we did? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I did. And then we looked up where can we start a podcast? What do we need to start a podcast? Oh, yeah, and then yeah. what was the first step to record a podcast? True. Like, those are essentially the steps that we've taken. And again, if you want to break it down even further, we had to look up our first actions. From there, we're like, okay, what should our first action actually be? Do we start recording? Do we just, you know, do we use video? Do we use just our voices for now? And you know, we chose just our voices for now. So if you look on our very first episode, it's just us talking, being nervous, not really having a format. Yeah. And now we're here at this point where we were just talking about this before. We found a new momentum where we want to continue to improve the way we push out our content. 
yeah how we deliver it and execute execute and how do we improve even our, like our intro music we trash that one you guys are getting a taste of a new one for this upcoming week <laughs> <laughs> so always iterating and then finding that momentum to continue forward so was that along the same lines of what you were trying to say about not at all but you, did, <laughs> <laughs> but you jogged what i, was, I meant to say so oh, okay. uh, for every emotion there's an opposite and reactive emotion or whatever <laughs> i don't know if that made it better let me go back though <laughs> okay okay it, the example hopefully that get that can come across okay. is the fact that we have a feeling brain okay. and a thinking brain yeah so along those same lines right our feeling brain is again what we feel i'm hungry i'm whatever i'm sad our thinking brain is like well if you're hungry we should go eat so because of that you know breaking it down is just simplifying how our brains work essentially and by putting feeling brain and thinking brain it's not so much right left side anymore now you're able to comprehend the fact that again it's your feelings versus your emotions all the time you know if you think one thing you're going to feel a different way if you feel one thing you're going to think about it in a different way so it's always you know again our logic logic side versus our emotions and what we want to feel for the about anything and that's why people are driven to do certain things, you know, for the example of World War II. Would you say that it's kind of like pretty much like a perfect blend of intellect, like IQ and EQ, which Absolutely. is intelligence and emotional intelligence? Yes. And, so. you know, something else that we touch on a lot is having the right amount of balance. But I also, because of this book, would dense it, condense it down a little bit more to how do we have those two communicate more often how do we have our our you know our regular intelligence talk with our emotional intelligence more often being able to communicate those two things is something that i don't think anyone's perfected people are good at it some people are really good at it i know i'm still working on it i think there's often. fewer people that are good at it yes. than there are those that are like right yeah and here's an example and of someone who's good at it but again he's not he's a terrible terrible person it's hitler he was able to convey his emotions and his hatred towards a specific group of people and use his intellect, his, you know, ability to break down why so-and-so was so bad and draw a huge crowd to this movement. Again, terrible person, you know, obviously. Actually, yeah. It's <laughs> a was... really good example. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it strange that all of the, the horrible people are good at this in in history are yeah are good at this you know who's another good person to this like relevant right now who's right good relevant right now again terrible person I, I don't agree with him i'm gonna say that now but donald trump donald trump he is so fucking irritating but here's what he does well is that he's a business person at heart right and he knows that any publicity is good publicity you know and so you know before he got arrested which you know he got arrested for <laughs> doing all this he understood that anything he said would draw a crowd of people hmm. whether it was for or against him it drew a crowd of people so like let's use an example right he said you know sometimes with women you just got to grab them by the pussy oh man how many people came out of the woodworks with that right and we had people on both sides like they were like you know, obviously feminists and people who are against sexual harassment were like, dude, how the how the fuck did that guy had a chance to run a president, became president? Because of shit like this, right? Like mm -hmm. his actions showed that he was a terrible person. On the opposite side, there were people who supported him. Were like, yeah, you know, like apparently they agree with that statement. Mm -hmm. They agreed with his actions and they still do to this day. And it it's incredible to see the amount of influence that bad people have. Hmm. Yeah. Not so, sure if it's a perfect example, but sure. <laughs> yeah, but again, it's his business IQ. Yeah, business. His emotional yeah. IQ, which is, again, the fact that, I don't know, he just says some bullshit, right? But either way, again, I'm not saying he's like a perfect person. Obviously, he isn't. He's a terrible person. But in this case, it's our emotional thinking mixing with our logic thinking and then it conveys a specific message 
Wait, so <laughs> <laughs> my brain, <laughs> this, this my brain. Okay, so you're talking about how if you have a perfect blend of emotional intelligence and intelligence, you're able to push a message out. Push a message out. Yeah. And in this book, it's breaking down the idea of hope. And if we truly, if we truly think about it, hope. I think there's like a missing piece <laughs> in in that logic zone. The pushing a message out are you talking about like influence i I guess you're able to influence you're able to and the whole book is about hope and how do you draw hope is being an influence like you draw influence in through your actions like look at pilecki right Mm -hmm. he he became a beacon of hope through his actions through the fact that he was a patriot to his country, did everything for his country in the name of, again, at, at the expense of his well-being and everything. He was also an intellectual because, again, when he went into Auschwitz, he created a whole network of yeah. communication outside, drawing, again, you know, uh, intelligence from the inside about what was going on in these camps. I think, okay, so maybe it is influence that, you're, that yeah. you needed. It's, it's like getting people to believe in your... Uh, yes like your religion yes <laughs> he he talks about yeah <laughs> he talks about how to start your own religion which is fascinating yes but essentially that's essentially that yeah. yeah thank you <laughs> thank you for tying this up for me Ooh, I was, I was this like, book was difficult <laughs> it, it was difficult through. that's is the world history stuff yes <laughs> but yeah i actually fell asleep in my world history class and the teacher kicked me out <laughs> <laughs> so dumb oh man our our education and health system are so fucked I don't know, man. But that's another shit. That's a different thing. Well, the thing, okay, I don't know. Should I even get into teachers? <laughs> <laughs> does it bring, does it tie into the book? <laughs> um, um, A little bit. The thing about like, um, it's the same thing with reading. So when you're reading, you're pretty much, you're listening to the author's argument. So you're having a conversation with the author, essentially. So if the author writes it in a way that cannot capture your attention, then it is not your fault. It is the writer's fault for not being able to deliver it in a way that's digestible to that reader. Mm -hmm. That's uh, when we were reading The Courage to be Disliked. It is on the teacher. uh, It is the teacher's task to be able to present a topic that is easily digestible and then is on the student to try to learn exactly topic. so yeah. if i fell asleep in the class and yeah, the, the teacher failed at representing this information man <laughs> yeah it's just looking at a freaking powerpoint man <laughs> i was trying to pay attention but it doesn't help when like yeah they're not interested well not just that there's barely any words on that powerpoint so like the delivery has to be in her tone and like you know the whole presentation itself but if it like sucks it also doesn't help that she kicked you out that doesn't make any sense to me yeah. Right. It's like, oh, you didn't pay attention in class, so I'm gonna kick you out so you can't pay attention in class. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the irony. Yeah. Good old stuff. Good old American <laughs> education. Good old education that we all fail at. <laughs> yeah. Oh. All right. There was something earlier when you were talking about how um the social media thing. I thought you were gonna lead it into hashtag fake freedom. Oh, no. I mean, that's really good segue, though. <laughs> let's, let's pretend I did. <laughs> Anyways, basically, it's fake. Like, fake freedom is like, how would you describe it? Fake freedom is the idea that you have the choice to make, essentially. Choice to make? Yeah, because in this case, more choice does not equal freedom. It actually... He presents it as it's more variety of the same shit. But yeah. to me, it's actually, um, it's to cripple you with options. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that. That's how I think of it, right? Like it's you having to go into, um, it forces you to go into analytical par- par- uh, paralysis because yeah. you're looking at too many different things, too many different uh, choices where you can't make a decision at all. And so you're going to go with either what you already know um, let's say something you grew up with, you know, a type of milk or whatever it is. Um, so you don't have to make a choice. 
So, yeah. But it makes you feel like you made the choice because it is your choice that you made that. But yeah. Yeah. It's like when you're overwhelmed with this, like you're overwhelmed with choices that you're never satisfied with the choice that you choose because you feel like there should have been an, a better option that is better. Yeah. It's like, so you're never making, you yeah, you're never making the right decision. Right. So then you feel unfulfilled or you feel like you made the wrong one. And then now you have anxiety, yeah. <laughs> which is, again, it also ties a little bit into the paradox of progress. Like we've yeah. made, you know, strides in food, for example, like we have so many different options in type of milks you can drink. You can drink almond milk, soy milk. Uh, now you drink uh, pea milk from little green yeah, peas. Be, yeah, peas. Not like, not like, you know, piss milk, but I'm sure that's out there somewhere. <laughs> but basically plant milk. Plant milk. Yeah. And so, you know, all the choices are out there and it pushes your anxiety even higher because you want to make the right choice for you. But you but know. in a way, there is a right choice because um, the only way to freedom is by imposing limitations. Mm -hmm. So like when you know more about your body and you're like, oh, I'm allergic to this or this uh, makes my eczema worse, then like that already makes my decisions more simple. It's like, oh, I'll eat more of these and less of these. So it's i don't know being more conscious about your health in a way like i don't even know choice is good but finding out your limitations is better because that eliminates the rest of the variety and then you're like oh now the options are simple right, right. and then there's freedom <laughs> yeah uh also we could probably tie this into finding a career Oh, okay. and what works for you because this is something we're pretty passionate about <laughs> doing something that you like and love and or are good at like that's super important so if you don't know what to do if you're looking for a career change but just don't know where this actually might apply to you because now you have to impose some limitations on yourself meaning set some limitations like you know when you say you're good at something break it down to what you like and it could be a like and this is difficult for people to do. It's difficult for me to do at first because I couldn't see the fact that I can go somewhere creatively with things that I like, meaning TV, movies, video games. Like if I break it down very simply, like that's it, right? What do I do from there? And then you could probably break down even further, right? Let's say you go in TVs, uh, to TV, like your interest in TV shows. Do you want to be an actor? Do you want to be a producer? Do you want to work with it? Do you want to talk about it? I want to talk about it. Yeah. No, <laughs> like us, like we chose to talk about it. So those are other limitations that you can brand off from there too or branch off from there too is finite. And this is a, another exercise, I guess, in psychology um, that some people try to do. It's uh, asking why all the time. Why do you want to do this? Why do you feel that way? Why do you want to do this? And then you continue to find the root cause. So it's well, kind of the same thing. Yeah. Same concept. Uh, along the same vein as that, I think morning journaling has helped me out with, with that a lot. Like you're allowing your subconscious to talk to you in a way. So then like narrowing down what you want and what you're afraid of or things, whatever comes into your mind. But like you feel more in tune of like the follow through rather than doubt. Yes. I don't know if that makes sense for people that don't morning journal. <laughs> Repeat that last part though. Like you just said it. Yeah, what did you, I say? you get you become more in tune with the follow through. The follow through. Then rather than be doubtful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually a very important concept because um it shows again, it, it forces you to think of a way to do it. Whatever it is. Again, if you want to feel happy for the day or whatever, you write it down and then talk to your inner self. To your inner child, we kind of talked about that in, in the. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be like episode. a separate journal, right? Right. But yeah. But you still again find somewhat of the root cause or what you want to do, the root want. Let's just call it. Bro, I mean, and so yeah. How do you get there? That's essentially the question. That's how I quit my job. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. But you know, it's pretty true. Yeah. So it's it's such a difficult it is a really difficult concept it's a difficult thing to put in place for the most part, but when you first take the first step, it essentially becomes easy. Yeah, maybe. Well <laughs> <laughs> okay, 
Well, if I think that accepting that everything is hard or difficult would, is what made it easy. It's it's like everything's hard. But why don't you just choose like the way you handle that type of suffering or like what you're willing to suffer for, mm-hmm. which is something that he kind of talks about in here, which is like managing your suffering. Like we're all like pain is inevitable, but we can manage the suffering part of it. So I can clock into work every day at this warehouse or I can just find something else to replace that income, which is still working, but it's not like it's a different type of work. Right. You're not restricted into someone else's game plan game, game script. plan yeah yeah so someone else's whatever <laughs> you're able to take it into your own hands pretty much yeah like that's how i voiced it in my journal too and i was like man i'm just following this man's game script anyways yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah it's a very fascinating concept like if you guys again we highly recommend you read this book if you want to challenge yourself and how you think about hope Right, just to tie it back into hope as well, you can instill hope for yourself and that there's a better life for you. You can become a better person. You just have to be it. <laughs> you have to be your own hope. In a way, yeah. Like it's it's pretty much take any kind of like those motivational quotes or something like that and apply it to you. Well, not even just apply it, just be it. Yeah. It, which is difficult. There is like Gosh, I'm trying to find out words to to voice it because like everything is so lackluster. Like it doesn't have enough density to convey like what we're trying to say. It's I don't know. The along this circling back to like the pain is inevitable part. Like pain is the currency of our values because we can determine like how much we value something. Like if we're willing to go through this much pain for this, that means we value it really high. Yeah. So like I don't know. Do you have any examples at the top of your head? Yeah. Really, uh, the first one that came to mind is money. How do oh, okay. we value money? And what are, you, what are you willing to suffer to make money? Most people will suffer through an, a boring nine to five that they don't like to make money. Other people, content creators or entrepreneurs, will also endure you know, a, a, a different kind of set of suffering to make money. And a lot of people tend to, again, you have that choice. Do you stick with your nine to five regular and suffer through the fact that you hate your job every day, you hate your life? Or would you rather suffer through, like you may go into, uh, Alex Ramosi says it, right? You're going to go into a few different silos of debt. Would you rather go into emotional debts, financial debt, technical debt, um, whatever it is to achieve your goal, right? To achieve a successful business. You're gonna you're gonna rack up debt no matter what. You just gotta choose which one you want to focus on first. So same thing, like in that same vein, like you choose your own suffering. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we should have just did a whole thing about Alex Ramosi. Yeah, maybe we will. Dude, maybe, he's yeah, such a fascinating guy, and he's super relevant because, again, he's pushing all of his content. He's pushing people to become millionaires with ideas that he's had to learn on his own. Yeah. And uh, that's in itself just like a fascinating thing. Well, he's obsessed with money. (laughs) Yeah, he is. He's. (laughs) And here's like I mentioned it in um, our last book that we talked about, which was. um, Was it Happy Money? Uh, Talked about Alex Ramosi. Yeah, I don't know. Probably Happy Money. Yeah. He's a fascinating guy. This Hermosi guy. This Hermosi. Because uh, he values money. He wants to have as much of it as possible. However, he doesn't buy a lot with it. He's not materialistic. Again, he he says that, and I I read this somewhere uh, from him, I think. He doesn't think you should buy a car over $5,000 because it only depreciates in value right off the lot. Uh, and you know, again, there's like summer case out there if it's collectible stuff, but in general, like he doesn't want a car that's too expensive because he just drives it and that's it. It doesn't bring any the, other value to him. Yeah. It doesn't bring him joy. He's not yeah. a car enthusiast then. Right. And by the way, you uh, verbalize that yeah. like, that's cool. Cause then like, if you see, if you view cars as just like a means of transportation, then like, you're not going to cough up like exactly 30 K or whatever for it. No, well, that's like average car now. And you're not gonna cough up like 60 K. <laughs> 
I mean, I don't think I, my car was only forty thousand. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and things are only getting more expensive every single day. But again, he's him and his uh, companies are worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He's close to being a billion dollars. Actually, well, technically, he is valued at a billion something if you include all of his old uh, business ventures. Damn. But other than that, like he wants to be like a trillionaire. He just wants to beat the next guy who's has more than him. That is so fascinating to think about. Like he's already hundred million dollars, you know, a hundred millionaire, but wants to be the next billionaire. Wants to be the next hundred billionaire. Wants to be the next trillionaire. You know, like that's just his goals. He doesn't want to buy any much with it except for more money. But yeah, Alex Ramosi, super interesting guy. I'm gonna continue to do more research on him just and continue to follow him because he also preaches so many good ideas. Well, he's yeah, man, it is ideas, but it's also principles too. Yes. Like it's so it's just hard to not agree with him because it's so in alignment of the way people think. And I think because of the way he's able to verbalize it, he's able to garner this hope or motivation for people to create content. So that's why there's one day I asked you, like, I, I foresee more people um, pursuing like content creation and living off of their hobbies in the future and employers at these like, I don't know, warehouse jobs or pretty much all these day jobs that you see these employers need to up their wages to keep people because like we live in an age where content creation or people living off of their hobbies is possible. Yeah. And everyone can do it. Anyone yeah. can do it. And so. I, I, I saw someone just vlog their own life. They mm -hmm. just go and work and then eat and then go to sleep, like and making money off of that. You know, like there's so many different ways to make money. We talked about this before too. You can tap into all of it. You really can like, it depends on just what you want to limit yourself to. You just choose one, whatever you want to do, whatever you're good at, just do it. Figure out the steps to, to achieve it. Struggle through it. Fail at some things. That's super, it's super important too. The more you fail, the more you're going to learn. Actually, let me take that back. The more you fail, the faster you learn. That's like so much more. If you want yeah <laughs> if you want to learn no it's um it's a faster way to grow because then you're testing yeah. out things and therefore you learn from those things that you're like oh i'm not good at this or i'm better at this or whatever mm -hmm. it's like a self-learning thing right and it's also important to be well-rounded too like even if you suck at something if you force yourself to learn it you're only going to make yourself grow you're going to force yourself to grow at the things that you hate doing mm-hmm yeah, so it's so interesting because then this also dives into the idea of like, you know, you know, we talked about values, how that changes from us being a child to an adolescent to adulthood is also a really fascinating concept that Mark Manson dives into and everything is fucked. <laughs> and then it also like skews how we view, you know, the idea of hope. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Reading this part just makes me feel like, oh, okay, so not a lot of people are grown, is yeah. <laughs> what I realized. Because then, like, so if child children develop, like, their values based on pain or pleasure, because then you're like, oh, yeah, I like this food, or I don't like this food, or this is, um, this hurts, yes, or this doesn't hurt. Yeah. And then when we get older into, like, adolescence, we're, like, trading off things, like, everything is transactionary. So we're making a bargain of like between pain or pleasure. So that's not a complete principle or a complete, what would you call it? Uh, it's not like the correct way to process things. It's because yeah. like if it's transactionary only, then it's manipulation. It's essentially as an example that just came to my mind uh, to be able to grasp the concept a little bit is when you put off your homework because you want to play some games or whatever. That is a transaction because you're doing a trade-off versus, you know, and you're also bargaining. Like, okay, if I push my homework off now and I play an hour of video games, I can still finish my homework in two hours or whatever because that's how much time does it do or whatever. But that doesn't build on your character. That just literally is just you diving into pleasure. 
Yeah, in the moment. Yeah, in the moment. Right. And then yeah. adulthood. <laughs> when you reach adulthood, it's a lot more. Well, adulthood. Yeah, adulthood. I cannot even say that word. <laughs> <laughs> Being an adult <laughs> is uh, doing things for the greater good. So, like principles that. We're not trying to be transactionary about it. So that's really cool that you brought up homework because in our pursuit of starting this podcast, there's a whole fuck ton of homework to do. Yes. But we don't, I don't think you're you're doing it. (laughs) But it's not like, oh, I need to play video games right now instead of doing this or whatever. It's like, oh, I need to do this now because I want to get better at uh, this social media or like I need IG or like, how do we do this? And then we start like, in a way, it's like revving up that engine. Like we will hit like a wall and then it's like, oh God, how do we do that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like this pursuit to we're, continue to grow. Yeah. We're actively giving ourselves homework, but we're not um, in the same vein of like putting off homework for later type of thing. I don't even I don't think know if this is it, a perfect analogy, but <laughs> I don't even think of it as homework which is funny because True. it technically is. Yeah. But, you know, the homework to me has almost a negative connotation. You have to go home. You're forced to do the thing. Yeah, yeah. We ourselves choose to force to sit down to learn the thing. Uh, Alex Ramosi says that to get decent at something, you should do it for at least 12 or 20 hours. You, if you invest 20 hours into something, you're going to be decent at it. And I think we're seeing that because, like, again, through our editing, through whatever it is, through bootstrapping. Again, that's something I know I'm good at now. Like, I know how to bootstrap certain ideas concepts whatever it is like from the tools that come at hand because <laughs> we don't have a lot of money <laughs> <laughs> yeah my uh, editing so, work, but <laughs> yeah and that's the thing like you know but we're pushing ourselves we're doing our own research true and you know forcing ourselves to learn difficult concepts um to continue to improve the thing that we want to do which is this we want to pursue this want to make sure it's successful but we know we have to do a little bit of grinding to be decent at all the bad stuff or at all the stuff that we don't like doing yeah i mean it's how do we encapsulate that in adulthood even more it's like taking upon the responsibility of putting like we're putting aside our like extra time because then we don't have to do any of this and we could just like lay down and play resident evil all damn day and then like one would hope yeah (laughs) one would hope and then clock into our jobs the next day but we're not it's like okay clock out of that day job come home then work on this yes so like we're it's more it's ascending from the like the uh trade-offs or bargaining ship of Mm -hmm. pain and pleasure right now it's working towards our greater good our greater good in our opinion is creating content it's creating stuff that again (laughs) <laughs> that gets us paid yeah you know? and have a little bit more time to do stuff like you know maybe golf later <laughs> we'll create content but also like be able to do stuff that we enjoy yeah. still like yeah. are you able to capitalize on your hobbies yeah it's kind of like the thing right which i think everybody can everybody can uh is whether or not you want to you know that's a big thing True. I, get, I get that well it might be fear because like it's like oh where do you where do you start or where I don't know how to edit. He's like, me neither. <laughs> yeah, we're learning. We're learning. <laughs> yeah, I think the most important thing too is like, you know, this is a very interesting concept that I know uh, some people close to me have an issue with because they don't want to turn their hobbies into something that they... Uh, oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's the, you're afraid that you're not going to like it anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's just making it, turning our, uh, turning their, what is it? Their... The thing that relaxes them into a chore, into a work that they have to do and takes the enjoyment out of it. I can understand that. Hmm. Yeah. So like that's a very Maybe some journal work can help with that. <laughs> that's that's a limitation if they want to put it on themselves. True, yeah. It, 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 it could be a limitation like that too. Or it could be like, I could do this but never ever indulge in like trying to be monetize like it. Yeah, don't well, you can oh. still monetize it. But you don't have to go hardcore with it. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to be Hermosy level with it. Yeah. If like the cool thing about happy money is like you get to be satisfied with the idea of like if you sit down and then think about how much do you actually need to survive. So then if I only need like two thousand dollars per month to survive, that's not even that much. Yeah. Which means as long as whatever I do in between, like doing these gig jobs or whatever, 
can reach that, then it's like that's pretty easy. That's true. Yeah. But if you need like five thousand or something like that, that's more, and you probably need more than a gig job, <laughs> <laughs> or or twenty or three of them. <laughs> you need twenty gig jobs to reach five thousand dollars a month. Yeah, and so it's very interesting. Like this is one thing that I took away from it too is just how we develop from child to adolescent to adulthood and how this doesn't mean age-wise though this is all almost mental capacity if you will because we know a lot of people who are age-wise adults but have the mindset of an adolescent you know and they want to put off all this they're they're you know trying to look for certain trade-offs so that they don't have to focus on what they have to do now you Mm -hmm. know and it's again interesting to kind of like apply it to our own lives to be like oh wow okay mark manson was right about this because we see it from these people true yeah maybe one more point that might help listeners for (laughs) to understand this concept (laughs) if none of the none of what we said earlier helped then it's the idea of you know how like when people are nice to you they expect something in return that would be transactionary and they're not a genuine nice person yeah because you know how it's like well you got to be kind but then if you're kind and then you're like man i can't believe that person didn't like give me a gift or something then now it's manipulative and it's not a genuine kindness like your your idea or principle of being kind isn't refined enough as an adult to be like this is i'm doing this even though i might not get something in return right and uh, the example that Mark Manson provides actually is, I think, really good in that he says that, okay, if I buy my wife flowers that, she, like, you know, other people will see, and say, oh, he's such a good husband or whatever. But if I say that I bought my wife flowers so that I can have sex tonight, then, oh, he's a scumbag. He only wants to do it for his own personal thing. This is a really good example because a lot of people pursue this let's be honest right yeah you you also not married but this probably resonates with you (laughs) and so you know as an example like if you buy flowers for your significant other or a gift for your significant other a lot of the times yes it could show that you love them that's little transaction oh yeah buy a gift to show that you love them right yeah it's superficial right now right and a lot of times you know there are people out there that's like oh i thought of you and i bought you this gift like okay cool but a lot of times it's like, yeah, I bought you this gift to show you that I love you. I bought you this gift because I want sex. You know, like that happens a lot of times. Like um, prom, prom, probably you know, prom is a good one. Or birthdays. Let's t- use that as an example too. Make or it Valentine's Day. Actually, make it more general. Like it doesn't have to apply to a significant other. Well, I'm just saying it happens more often. Like yes. during oh, prom. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time I talk to you, dude, it's like, man, that's like the most expensive sex I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> nasty nasty. (laughs) well you know just trying to drive the point home (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's always transactional so and again take it away from like relationships again because you said i don't have a wife you don't have a significant other true true, yeah if it this is like for your uh friends or um acquaintances business people another way that it's a transaction right let's say even if you don't like the person but you guys are acquaintances and whatever you feel like you have to buy them a gift right let's take Ooh, that even worse if it's like a coworker too a coworker that you hate but you want to look nice right you want to look good in front of other people of course you'll buy them a gift even if it's a gift that's like shitty whatever you bought a person you don't like a gift so that you don't have to look bad that's a transaction what a damn waste of time <laughs> and money and money just worry about your greater good. <laughs> that's, 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 take it from there. <laughs> take it from there. Yeah. The There's a scary part at the end of the book where he talks about AI, <laughs> where he was like, eventually there's going to be an AI that's going to write another AI that knows how to write like these principles or concepts or systems that are better than what we can come up with. But that an AI can write another AI, that's scary. And like, we're just that much closer to Skynet or <laughs> yeah, iRobot or whatever. Yeah. And it's cool because this book came out in 2021. Okay. But we read it now not knowing that he was going to touch on AI because of the explosion of chat GPT. Oh, yeah. And we're also exploring, you know, some solutions for our own venture, right? Mm-hmm. It's fascinating because 
it's now a talk also about whether or not AI is going to be good for the future or bad for the future. Will it bring hope to more people in the fact that can it make more jobs effective? Can it bring more jobs? Can it take away jobs? It's the the paradox of progress. Well, like I like the part where he, he talked about how if we always indulge in what we want and get that pleasure, then it's not always good for us. Like he used the example of like him eating ice cream just because we want ice cream. It's like not always good for us. Like, uh, well, I'm lactose intolerant, so it would hurt my stomach, <laughs> but, but also it's milk and dairy. So then like my eczema would like go through the roof yeah. for other people. It might just be a stomach ache or whatever. So just because we get what we want, doesn't mean it's good for us. Like maybe it's better if we only have it like a little bit out of 10 mm-hmm. or, you know, that, uh limitation yeah of you know one scoop only or whatever right um but like just because we have ai available to us now and it does make some of our lives easier does it actually benefit us as like a human race like what was that elon musk thing where there's like i don't fully remember it but he did say that like i fear that or i would hope that the machines will spare us someday or something like that yeah and it's basically along the lines of like well ai's are gonna it's gonna take over machines are probably gonna take over and humanity is gonna be kind of like the terminator we're gonna be i think the scarier part is if an ai develops a societal system for us that we just agree with because it's good (laughs) yeah (laughs) or it makes sense while we're developing it too this is a good time for us to put in those restrictions and yeah, like I, it'd be hard in our lifetime to see AI spiral out of control. To me, right now, we're in like those early stages where we can put in those limitations to be like, hey, like ChatGPT right now, right? It cannot suggest anything violent or whatever it is or provide financial advice, stuff like that. Sooner or later, of course, you know, maybe someone will crack that. But so long as we continue to have those laws in pay, in place for ai and it's funny because like you i mean everything you're saying right now just sounds like the beginning I of I <laughs> exactly <laughs> it's like <laughs> i was gonna say it at the end but yeah but yeah it, you know continue to put in these laws don't break them right i mean it's gonna be incredibly difficult i don't know again in our lifetime i don't think we'll see it i don't think we'll see ai span out of control spin out of control and stuff like that but I like the idea that it's here to help us yeah. make our lives easier. For now. For now. And uh, a very interesting concept that someone presented is that now with the onset of AI, it will break our society as we know it. And I can't remember who said it. I wish I had sent you the video. Maybe I did. But essentially, capitalism cannot support AI anymore. Oh, actually, you know what? I think it's Alex Harbozzi. <laughs> bro (laughs) (laughs) he he said this and i think it's a very good concept dude uh yeah but ai is going to progress to the point where capitalism uh will break cool yeah so it's going to force us to do other things that's totally fine (laughs) you know whatever because i think this may be my talk you know i think it's time for us to branch into something new society has progressed so far to the fact that we're seeing huge uh, gaps in salary and waging and living. Yeah, I agree. Where the 1% now owns billions and billions of dollars, trillions of dollars, really. While even from the middle, from the middle class, like that gap is so big. Think, yeah, like Mark Manson even mentioned it in like the political, when he mentions the whole government and stuff like that. It's like, no wonder our system is failing us is because the people in power are making decisions because through like transactions, like mm-hmm. they're, they're thinking uh, like their decisions are based on what are the trade-offs. They're not doing it for the greater good. So like the system or political system that we have in place were ideas that were, I don't even know how long ago was created or yeah. thought of centuries ago that doesn't apply to our society yeah so the society now is outpacing those thoughts or rather it's challenging those ideas so we as a society need to grow and live or 
not grow, but develop a new system pretty much. <laughs> All right. I want to say it again. Paradox of progress. <laughs> because now as we continue to move forward, we're also going backwards. Yeah. And we're seeing that in our political system. You know, like the further we move society forward, the further back we're going now because we're seeing abortion, uh, you know, rules get sent back and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just tying it back into the everyday society that's happening now in America specifically. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of steps backwards as society continues to move forward. Like this is crazy that in 2023, we're still having discussions about, you know, people's rights. It's, yeah. It's insane. Well, this is where AI comes in. Yeah, it replaces all of us. Oh, so, replace our leaders. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like if that's that's what I was saying, like how AI is going to create a system that we're just going to agree with because it's so damn good. Because mm. AI, like just think about how much AI is helping us right now. Don't you think an AI is going to come up with like a, a system for us to follow that <laughs> is hard for us to argue with? The only people that would be against it would just be more like the traditional thoughts and the fear of like, Oh, machines are taking over and right. of course and those are justified fears by the way i'm not saying <laughs> yeah. i'm not saying like we Valid should fears. do this right i'm just saying that like an ai is going to come up with a system that we would agree with and would want to follow and that's the scary thought mm, interesting yeah wow so much hope in the world huh so, well, hey <laughs> with ai hey without all that fear and stuff where would hope be yeah <laughs> <laughs> We need more fear, guys. Yeah, we need more fear, more <laughs> suffering, more turmoil. Well, like, I don't know. It's it's a strange thing. But maybe it, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it will, I'll be excited to see where it goes from here because we can also train AI to do certain things. Well, hopefully. We can develop AIs, let me say it that way, to be able to produce more better unbiased news that's something that i would be interested in oh yeah like dude yeah and <laughs> i see it in your point here i wanted to get it on oh true, true. yeah like I wanted... freaking edward bernays man yeah. if you guys don't know about him he's sigmund freud's nephew mm -hmm. and he's pretty much the dude that figured out a way to tap into people's subconscious and insecurities and basically market towards that mm -hmm. and that's how what was it during world war ii or something like that where he was trying to sell tobacco and this was when this was like the rise of like female empowerment too. Cause then he was trying to like tap into the whole market, not just like male. He doesn't want to just sell tobacco to just males. He wants the whole, the whole shebang, the whole enchilada, the whole enchilada. But basically he was able to market and tap into the insecurities. And then like, this is how like makeup and all that stuff tapped into women's insecurity. Like you're ugly if you don't wear makeup and that whole thing has uh, carried its way into now. <laughs> yeah, in our news mainly, uh, you know, we're talking about that because whoever controls the media controls the masses. Yeah. And we see that a lot in America. We're going to touch on this too because it's, we're seeing, again, another pivotal moment, let's just say, in our, in our history right now because <laughs> we're at this, again, weird teeter-totter of progressing forward but also going backwards. And so if you follow the news and, and how social media has worked, right? It's, it's unfortunately ran by entities larger than us, but what we can see and surmise for ourselves is that social media, whoever controls social media controls how we all think and how we oh, agree. That's with why they're trying to ban TikTok and TikTok's getting banned <laughs> for certain reasons because they can't regulate TikTok. Yeah. And then there's also the fact that, you know, if you control social media, you can do things like, input an algorithm where it shows a lot of your uh, mind-numbing interests over things that you should know. Example, we see in the news a lot that, you know, the protests in France are escalating higher. And it's uh, put the whole country pretty much at a standstill. Like, again, trash isn't being collected and all this other stuff. Is yeah, happening. they're all they're all rioting. They're all yeah. part of the protest. And here's the thing: there's there's two things I want to touch on here. Is that um, if you follow it, sometimes then all the news that you get and all the news that you see is that the only reason, quote unquote, that the French are 
uh, having protests or protesting is because they're raising the age limit from 60 to 62. Oh, yeah, the for retirement. Yeah. But yeah. it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a lot more than that. And you guys can do your own research, right? But that's all you're going to see because that's all they want you to see. However, if you touch into it even further because of these algorithms, if you don't follow news at all, and there's a ton of us out there, right? Let's be honest. There's a ton of people out there that don't like to follow news because it's too tragic. It's too sad. It's too real. You're not going to get any news. You're not going to know that a shooting's happened. You're not going to know that, again, there's protests in France. You're not going to know about the atrocities happening in other countries because you choose not to follow the news. That's why it's so crazy. Like, again, you know, all these algorithms and stuff are going to continue to push this stuff that make you happy, that you enjoy. Yeah, you shouldn't always uh, strive for pleasure. Yeah, and that's why it's Stay away from that ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Expand your thinking. Like, understand the world. Put the ice cream down. Explore broccoli or vegetables. Get a little bit healthier. (laughs) Feed your uh, political and intellectual hunger. (laughs) Stop ignoring it. Well, the, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Well, yeah. not a lot of people want to take responsibility for knowledge. Yes. Oh, so we got to say that again for the people in the back. <laughs> Repeat it. Me? <laughs> that was your quote. <laughs> not everybody wants to take responsibility for knowledge. Yeah. So. Oh, my gosh. It is what you it is. You put that on a t-shirt. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> so if you're out there... Thank you guys for listening, first off. I know this is like a heavy topic. I know. It'd be amazing actually, if you make it this far, to be honest. <laughs> it's a really fascinating book. And the more we talk about it, the more intriguing it becomes. Because like, I think it applies so much to our history, to our society now. Yeah, that. And I hope that Mark Manson just makes a YouTube video on it. Because I think it would be better delivered that way. Mm-hmm. That way he can kind of like cut out like the world history stuff. <laughs> If he wants to. Well, okay, look, maybe our attention span is different now too. So then like he you know, he can put up a picture. (laughs) (laughs) You know, after learning all this editing stuff, it's like, oh, you can do this and this and this, but you can't do that in a book. In a book, all you have is words, and you would hope that these words and stories will connect to the reader. World history ain't gonna connect with me. So it's true. So yeah. Anyway, good book though. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was decent. I think I think there's a lot of good points to be uh, explored. Yeah. But if you're not a history buff, it might be a little a tougher. A yeah. But you can definitely extrapolate not, a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's not horrible. Yeah. But it's those are the moments that it's harder. <laughs> all right. That's all, you know? That's all. Well, we appreciate you guys making it this far, though, as we discuss and discuss. Oh, we should put something here to to help us know if they made it this far. <laughs> as in uh, a teaser for next week no 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 as oh. In, as, oh yeah we can do that too <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah we had all this planned guys oh we should t- um for the youtubes we could be like hey comment olive because that's the next book we're reading <laughs> uh, uh, okay so we're teasing okay so we're gonna read olive by Emma Gannon? Emma Emma Gannon next week. So if you made it this far, comment. Olive. <laughs> yeah, Olive by Emma Gannon. And that will be the book that we'll be reading for next week's uh, book topic. Yeah. So if you made it this far, type comment. Or not type, type comment. <laughs> type, okay. type comment. <laughs> Just do that. My brain is fried. Type comment. Type comment. But hey, thank you for uh, making it this far and listening to Discuss and Discuss. But type olive. (laughs) (laughs) I've been Derek. I've been Kevin. All right. Bye. Bye.